Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long-distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host, as always. And today we are joined by Pam Reynolds, co-founder of Allegiance Aging Care Services. And in 2013, Allegiance was launched with the primary goal of providing support and guidance to seniors who want to grow older in their homes. Although she is a certified care manager, she focuses on the operations of her business and has built such a well-run operation, she's been admired by her competitors, both big and small. It is her belief that seniors should have a choice in where and how they want to live as they age and should be able to do so in a happy and healthy way. I've asked Pam to join us here today to talk about building a business around taking care of people from top to bottom. So Pam, thank you so much for joining us. There has been so much effort in getting this interview to happen. How are you doing this morning? (laughs) I'm wonderful, thank you. Thank you for having me. Everyone, you definitely need to give Pam full respect for this. She's dealt with a couple of tech issues, listen to me talk about my dog woes, having to climb 10 flights of stairs, all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, But she's still here because she really wants to share her message. And her business is all about caring. So hopefully um, hopefully you can show her some love and respect as well. So Pam, uh, I know that you've built kind of a, a really respectable business. And this is something new too. This isn't like you've been doing this for 30 years. Like you've been in the industry, but you haven't been running this business for 30 years, right? Like you kind of just started this business just a few years ago, if I, if I understand correctly. Yeah, we've been in business. This is our sixth year. So, you know, we've been through quite a bit in that in what seems like a short time so it seems a lot longer uh than it actually is just because of of everything that's unfolded but about yeah six years now we've been we've been doing the home care business so before you got into running your own business like how did you get into this do you come from an entrepreneurial family were your parents entrepreneurs where did you learn about business Oh boy. So self-taught really. I was not, I did not come from a family of entrepreneurs and was quite a scary thing actually for me to do. I have been working as a social worker and and in the senior care industry, you know, since I graduated from from college. And really it's a mentor, um, a friend of mine who I met in the business that's about 15 or so years my senior and you know, she she basically has been my mentor and my my guide, and so it, it was her that my business partner, that the co-founder of the company, it was her that saw in me, you know, that that I could do this and encouraged me to do so and approached me with the idea. So honestly, before that, 
you know, I really hadn't envisioned, you know, working for myself or starting my own business. It, it really wasn't something I even thought about doing. But, you know, she's a, a serial entrepreneur and she's, you know, had many successful businesses in her her lifetime. And, you know, she saw it in me and, and invited me to, to join her and start this business together. That's awesome. That's so exciting. So was it just like, all right, I'm going to put up my shingle and it was all sunshine and rainbows? Is that... Is that how, how the story <laughs> yes, exactly. went? That's exactly how it happened. How did you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just like anybody else, you know, when you start a business, like I said, it, it was definitely scary. Um, there's a lot of challenges in, involved with it. And we decided you know, the senior care industry has a lot of, you know, franchise opportunities. And, and I investigated several of those. And, you know, we just decided that what we wanted to do is really unique in, in the market and that we wanted the flexibility to do things the way that we see right for, for these clients. And so we decided to build it, you know, ourselves and to create something from scratch. And so there's a lot of challenges to that, you know, um, doing your own, you know, research, market research, business plan, you know, um, all the marketing and branding, you know, doing all that yourself, getting the sales and marketing off the ground and, so, you know, it definitely took some time. We started developing or working on the business in fall of 2013 and got our first client in February, March, I believe, of 2014. Mm. Um, there's, it, you know, there's licensing, you know, you have to go through and everything. So we actually got our license. We didn't get our home care license until July of the following year. So we were just doing companion care to start. So yeah, it's it's a process. It's a lengthy process, and like I said, I was really self-taught because I I didn't really have any guidance or or any background, you know, no no MBA over here. So right. <laughs> teaching, right, right. teaching myself how to start and run a business. So, so did anything really shock uh, you? Or anything really shock you or surprise you? Like oh, I expected it to be like this, but it wasn't. It was like this. Like did you have any? You know, was your expectations? Did anything throw you off? Yeah, I, I would say the hardest thing, you know, being that I, I had quite a bit of sales background at that point in my career, you know, the hardest thing was really just getting the sales and marketing off the ground and, you know, realizing that having the, the background and having the connections that, you know, that I already had in the industry, I definitely thought it would be easier, you know, to get out there mm. and, and earn people's trust to send us referrals and so, you know, that was probably the biggest difficulty, you know, to overcome is, you know, when you start a new business, it's even if people know, like, and trust you, you know, they have to kind of, most people kind of want to see what you're doing and kind of see some success with it first before they're you know, willing to, you know, work with you or make you a referral, you know. So, so the amount of time I guess it took to kind of get things off the ground and, and have business rolling in is, is probably the most difficult part for me because, I kind of just thought it would, you know, it would come, you know. So, so yeah, that was probably my, my biggest, I guess, shocker. But, you know, it, it did come. I mean, it, it just takes time to, you know, to build that trust and to show people that you're, you know, you know what you're doing and, and also that you're going to stick around because in this industry and especially in my geographical area, there's a lot of, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, mm. um, you know, so to speak, you know put up their popsicle stand and then and then they're gone you know six mm -hmm. months later or a year later so 
So you have to show that you're in it for the long haul and, you know, that, that you're able to, to get it off the ground. So. so you said it shocked you how hard the sales and marketing part was. You thought because you had some sales experience before uh, and because you worked in the industry, you thought it was just, you know, people were just going to be like, oh, hey, what's up, Pam? Of course, here's a bag of money. Here's all these customers. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun at you, but I'm doing it, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. And you, but it, was, it wasn't. it was So what was it more like? And how did you, how did you overcome that hurdle? Well, you know, I would say we overcome that hurdle a couple different ways. First is just showing up every day. I mean, it really just takes a lot of you know, determination and not giving up, you know, you just, you really have to stick with it. Can't give up. You can't take no for an answer, you know? So just being able to, to roll with the punches and, and show people that, you know, you're really, you're serious and you're here to stay is number one. And then number two, we really did. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, we, we considered, you know, the franchise model, but we really did have something unique that we wanted to bring to market, you know, which is just, this physician incorporated home care model that we have. And so we knew we had something different. We knew we had something that was needed that we just had to prove to, you know, the market that, that it, you know, that we could do it. So I think having something unique and different that really does make a difference for people, seniors definitely struggle with managing their, their medical care when they're homebound you know, it's difficult to get out to physician appointments and to maintain compliance with your, your plan of care and, and your medical needs and to manage all your medications. And, you know, all those things are very challenging for seniors and we have a solution for that. So we just, you know, we really had to figure out the best way to package that and to market it so that people would see the value and would, would kind of understand why, you know, working with us would benefit their clients more so than, you know, the neighboring competitor or franchise that's, that, you know, in our market. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you found a, a better way to just, like you said, kind of like Dr. Seuss green eggs and ham. Like, hey, will you eat them in a house? No. Will you eat them with a mouse? No. Will you eat them over here? No. Will you eat them over there? I like Dr. Seuss green eggs and ham. I feel like it's a really good sales guy where you're, you're being persistent. You're kind of having fun with it. And you're not just like, hey, want to have coffee? 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 Hey, like it's a little, there's flavor to it. You know what I mean? And at the same time, they kind of laugh mm-hmm, at you mm-hmm. like, like this guy's crazy. What's he going to show up with next? Like, you know, like I think that that's right. an important part. Like to, I forget who said it, but it's like success well, is running from failure to failure without loss of, of faith and enthusiasm. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely. And, you know, you just really have to, like I said, you have to show up, show up every day. You can't let it get you down and. You know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, do you want to have coffee? Because one of the things I say to people when they ask, you know, well, how do you have such a wide network? How do you know everybody? I mean, I I, I don't turn down coffee with anyone. You know, I'm very open to meeting with people. You know, you never know what, Mm -hmm. what the connection will lead to. And, you know, I really believe in helping others. Selflessly, if someone reaches out to me and, and wants to know, you know, how I've gotten to where I am or how I could, you know, help them potentially, I'm, I'm always open to that. I mean, obviously, you, you have to manage your time, but, I, uh, you know, I, I do my best to make time to meet with people and to figure out, you know, how I can be of service to them. In, in our industry, and I'm sure like others, you know, it, it's very transient and a lot of people move around and, and you know, they might be in one position today, but then next month they're in a completely different position where, 
you know, it could turn, the tables could turn and they might be able to, to actually help you with, with something in your business. So, mm. you know, I always use those opportunities and, and make connections. I mean, the, those community connections are very, you know, very powerful. So yeah, um, just re- recognizing that, you know, you can be of service to someone now and, and they can turn around and be helpful to you in the future is, is key too. Yeah, because you could have the world's greatest business, like you could have the world's greatest service or product, but if nobody knows about it, you know, will you help mm-hmm, anyone? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, mm-hmm, I, it reminds mm-hmm. me, I was in a coaching group years ago, and one of the guys, it was like a, he it was a hot seat, his turn to be in the hot seat, talk about his business and let us poke at it and talk about it and all that. Yeah. And mm-hmm, he was talking mm-hmm. about how he needed more certification, that he wanted to go, go back to school for a couple of years to get this level of, he was couple counselor and he wanted to go get I don't forget what it was it wasn't it wasn't like a master's or anything but he wanted some special designation but he would have to chase this thing for like a year or something and he thought that that would be the breakthrough that he needed in his business and at the time mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we I think we were in Jersey we were just across the the tunnel from Manhattan and the guru was like okay well how many couples do you need to have like a full caseload? He's like, oh, 100 couples would be crazy, like a full practice for him. Okay. And then right now where we are in an eight-block radius, we're amongst all these like high-rise apartment built condo buildings. In an eight-block radius, mm-hmm. how many couples are there in this area that you could help with the knowledge you have right here, right now? And he goes, oh, well, probably a couple thousand. He said, perfect, exactly. So you don't actually need more training and education. You need better marketing and sales because there are already exactly. so many people out there mm-hmm. And that's what came to mind when you said you would sit down for coffee with anybody because you had the skills and there's so many people that you can help and you just haven't met them yet, right? And that's, exactly. I think that's mm-hmm. a really important business lesson for anybody listening. And this is something I've had to learn a couple of times is isolation is incredibly dangerous. Uh, you know, in the wild, mm-hmm. when animals isolate themselves when they're sick and then they die, you know, like that's not mm-hmm. in business. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to do the opposite. You have to thrust yourself out there. You know, be in front of people, constantly networking. I think that's a fantastic tip. What are some other things that you felt, like habits that you felt really helped you build your success? Well, you know, you mentioned that this gentleman in this group was talking about, you know, he has to get this, you know, certification in order to have, you know, the skill set or the credibility to help people. And, you know, that definitely is a misconception, you know, however, personal development is definitely important, you know, focusing on, I mean, it doesn't have to be going to get a certification or, or, or spending a ton of money on, on a class or, or things like that. But, but taking the time to, you know, whether it's going to conferences, you know, that might help you in learning about your industry and, you know, following, you know, podcasts, books, you know, websites, you know, that have information that can help you just better understand your industry and the trends and what's happening you know, keeping your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on and, and keeping yourself, you know, just educated is, mm-hmm. is definitely key. That, that helps you help other people, you know. And, you know, I mean, I, I do an awful lot of driving in my business, you know, <laughs> driving all over our territory, meeting, meeting clients and, and meeting with um, referral courses and so forth. And I just, I try to use that time, you know, wisely listening to podcasts, audiobooks, you know, things that will, will help me be better, you know, in my industry and with mm-hmm. my clients. And, you know, so that's definitely something I think is important. It doesn't have to be a class. It doesn't have to be a certification. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. But, you know, just keeping that personal development, you know, a focus, doing something every week that, that helps you take yourself to the next level, I think is important. Mm. And then I think, you know, making sure that 
recognizing your weaknesses, you know, what, what are you not as good at, you know, or what do you hate to do, you know, Mm. either or, um, and then surrounding yourself, hiring people who are better than you at that, at that thing, you know, seeking out help from people, whether it's coaches or, or, you know, trainers that can, Mm. you know, help you in the areas that you aren't as strong, you know, you don't necessarily have to become a master of something that you're not good at or you hate, but, you know, find those who are and have them help you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was one of my, I think, bigger stakes early on. And then I, I realized, you know, several years ago that, that that's what, that's what you need to do. You know, you don't have to be the best at everything, but you know, or the jack of all trades, but you have to surround yourself with people who can support you in the areas where you're not as, as strong. I I love that. And that's the part that really jumps out to me about your story where you say like you built, even though you are a certified care manager, you've, you've, you focus on the operations of your business, not on delivering product or service. Cause when you, when you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, it doesn't say the person who answers the phone, makes the sales, does the bookkeeping, cleans the toilet, mops the floor, you know, does the book. That's not what it says. It says the person who organizes a business or businesses. Can you speak to that a little Mm -hmm. bit? Like what did you learn and how have you figured that out and how do you handle that? And, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, there's the, the saying, you know, don't work in your business, but on your business. And, you know, that definitely, I think, is a hard lesson for any new entrepreneur to learn is, you know, you, you have a skill set, you have a talent, and you want to utilize it, and you, you start a business because you, you love what you do. But then you spend every day doing that. You, you know, you're, you're doing the task that, you know, you love. But that, that's not what's going to take your business to the next level. And it kind of depends somewhat on your goals. You know, if you're happy, you know, day in and day out being the service provider and, and doing that for yourself and for your clients, then that, that's fine. You know, it's just when you're looking to grow and scale a business, you know, you can't continue as the one that, that does those day-to-day tasks every day because you, you have to focus on the bigger picture. You have to look at you know, what steps you need to take to scale the business. So you definitely have to outsource. You have to, to hire people. It's not always hiring. I mean, sometimes it's hard as an entrepreneur with a small business to, to hire people because you're investing, you know, into salary and benefits and things like that. Sometimes it's outsourcing. You know, sometimes you can find, you know, companies that do, just an example, bookkeeping. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can hire a company to do your bookkeeping, to manage your QuickBooks, and, and it would take a lot of time off of your plate for a minimal investment. You know, you're not hiring an accountant for, you know, $60,000 a year, but you're, you're paying a, a company, you're outsourcing that on an hourly or monthly basis. And that investment, you know, recognizing that that investment is going to free you up, you know, say it's five hours a week. I mean, you could take those five hours and put them into the sales and marketing efforts for your company, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to, to look at that value and the return of investment is very important. You know, you, you really have to take the things that are more menial that are taking your time that somebody else can, can do and maybe even do better and, and turn those things over because they're not going to take your business. Mm. You know, those, doing those things, you know, day in and day out are not going to help you grow, you know, so. Yep, yep. I actually just Um, had that conversation today. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going, please. Oh, no, no. That bottom line is just, you know, recognizing, again, recognizing your weaknesses or recognizing things that that are not necessarily 
maybe you're not bad at them, but they're just not, they're not going to produce anything more for your business. You know, they're just time wasters, essentially. So mm. recognizing those things and turning them over, you know, to, to someone else. Someone else. Yeah, that, some of these mm-hmm. things, they need to be done, but they're not, like, they're important, but they're not important and urgent. It's not the highest value of your time. I love how you right. talked about as you grow, you won't be able, like, as you grow, you won't be able to do it all. And I love that because when somebody goes to McDonald's drive through they're never like, sorry, Sally's sick today. Like, that just doesn't happen. They, it's a business, right? <laughs> they hire people. Right. It's like it's like a rowboat. Like, okay, we need someone to beat the drum. We need four people on this side to row and four people on that side to row. You know, like, we need, like... Who, who are those people in those positions and who is the backup if they fall out? It's not one person trying to beat the drum and row all five paddles at once. Again, it comes back to this, you know, maybe mm-hmm. in the beginning you're the one doing everything. And I remember mm-hmm. one of my earliest mm-hmm. mentors, he said, Daryl, everyone's going to be a beta version of you. You're just going to have to accept it. Everyone's always going to be a beta version of you. So manage them mm-hmm. based on the results, not how they get there. And that was a really important one for me because I want everyone to do it my way, right? Because I'm my, my way is the best way, and that, you know, and you just can't as you scale, right? You just can't. There's just not well, yeah, way. yeah. And when you are a Type A person, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, it can be hard to delegate because of exactly that. You know, are they going to do it my way? Are they going to do it the right way? Are they going to, you know, how are they going to do it? And and you know basically having that trust to, to turn over something to someone else. It, it, it's hard. It's very hard to, you know, find that in yourself to, to hand something over and trust that they're going to do it and they're going to do it right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just found that, again, if you're hiring people that, you know, are better at you than, than what it is you're better than you at what it is you're handing off uh, and have a proven, you know, track record, almost everyone that I've hired I knew in another capacity either worked with them before, you know, know them word of mouth through the community. And, you know, so you're, you're hiring them based on their skill set and their reputation. And so you, you have to have that trust and, you know, and delegate. And otherwise it it just, you'll completely drown in your business if you don't do that. Yeah, no, that's uh, super smart. And it just, again, it's just, I just even love what you said, like hire out your weaknesses, right? Like don't expect yourself to be the best Mm -hmm. in everything because you're not. And you're just not being honest with Mm -hmm. yourself. You think you can do it all. And again, it's a lonely Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And you you really, one of the things that stood out for me is that when we first talked, you really seemed to care about like the people you're caring for. I mean, that's your business's care. And I love that. And that's Mm -hmm. so it's even if if you really care about your clients, your customers, the people you're serving, then you want to have a backup for them, right? Like you can't right, do that. Right. And then the flip side of that, even if you are just a money hungry, ambitious person that's in it to get rich, don't, if you want to make a hundred dollars an hour or a thousand dollars an hour, don't do $10 an hour work. Give that work right. to someone who wants $10 an hour and you go do like you are paid in relation to the size of the problems you solved. The problem, the only problem that I'm trying to solve is how do I get from here to across town? Well, I can walk and that's free and it can take me all day or I can ride a bike and that's a little bit more or I can pay someone to drive me and that's a little bit more or right. I can buy a car and you know, like, but that's a bigger th- right. And it's mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the same thing. It, it's same thing with a convenience store. The only problem is who's going to sit here overnight, make sure nobody steals stuff, and take these boxes and put it on the shelf. That's a small problem versus how do I maintain a, a network of 12 of these stores and make sure they have constantly, you know, constantly get the inventory they need and we're constantly updating our shelves with what people are buying. Like that's a bigger problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's got a bigger price tag, right? So, right? And that's, 
something that bothers me. I mean, I get it when there's CEOs that make like a hundred million dollars, you know, and I, I kind of get that, but I also kind of get both sides. I think, you know, yeah. Like, like, and even in your own personal life, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you know, your time is, is valuable, you know, even things, you know, simple things like hiring a housekeeper or, yes. you know, looking at getting someone to mow your lawn every weekend or, you know, things like that, you know, where you, you think you're saving money, you know, on expenditures and so you don't do those things, I can just do them myself and it's free. It's not though, because your time is, is very valuable and, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially with a, a family, you know, I have young kids, that the value of that time, I can either be working on my business, which is making money, or I can be spending time with my family, which is extremely valuable. So, you know, even in your personal life, looking at where you can kind of delegate and outsource things, you know, okay, so it's $40 a week to have your lawn mowed, and you look at the the cost of it, but how long does it take you, you know, and, and how much could you make with that time if you're putting it into other other energies? So, yeah, you know, I, that's been something nice, that big mindset shift, you know. And it, it's, it's true because a lot of us don't grow up that way. What you said is so powerful because we've – I've been having a cleaner since, I don't even know, since I lived in San Diego, which is years ago now. I've constantly always had that, even when I've had ups and down times, because I just knew I needed to stay focused on what really mattered. And the other day, I, right. think, I, I think I kind of felt a little, I don't know if I felt guilty, but there's an app, I'm in Vietnam right now, and this lady came to clean, and I think I was feeling guilty because we just, it's just the like hour and a half, two hours she took, it's two bedroom, two bath apartment, it's not a, you know, it's, it's just three of us and a dog two-bedroom, two-bath apartment, like, we don't, you know, we don't really even use the whole place that we're in, so it was sure. like, I, but I remember I went, and I kind of felt guilty, because she was coming for just a, a couple hours of pay, like, my guilt was that, wow, she came all the way here, like, you mentioned a lot of driving, she drove all the way here to do our cleaning, but I, I realized in her, you know, it's an app, and there's probably, she's probably got a full day of, you know, of work to do, but at the time, I was going in the elevator, taking my daughter to the pool, and I was like, I would pay her three times this. Do you know what I mean? I would pay her seven times right, this right. to be to spend this day right. with my daughter and go play in the pool. Exactly. Like, you can't when yep. you, you can't yep. take it with you. You know. Exactly. Like, if you had to choose between living a life of scarcity and holding hoarding everything you could, and dying with this big pile of of metal essentially right gold or whatever lump lump there next to your grave or if you could go and die and in, in with a little bit of debt but have spent as much time mm-hmm. and pushed the envelope as hard as you could and spend as much time as you could with the people that really mattered and you know gave to the the causes that matter to you you know i just think there's just a better way to live and um absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i love that i love that so that's some powerful habits. So you talked about, you know, hire your weaknesses, work on your business, not just in your business. You also talked about uh, personal development because you mentioned something about when you hire people, you know, there's, will they do the same way as me? The other thing you have to realize is that that's a skill set as well. So as a business owner, you might be really good. Mm-hmm. Like there's someone, mm-hmm. cleaning company is an easy one to take because we just mentioned it, but someone cleans for this company and they go, I'm the one that's doing all the cleaning. You know, I'm the one that's doing all the cleaning. These guys just sit in, in the office and don't do anything, and I do all the work, and they take all the money. It's so not fair. I'm going to open up my own cleaning business. And then they realize, oh, someone mm-hmm. has to do the marketing and the sales, and someone has to do the taxes, and someone has to do the follow-up to get customers to come back again and again and keep our keep enough customers to have the cleaner have a full schedule. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and keep up to date with mm-hmm. the training policies. And there's all these things that come into it under one roof, and, and so – for a lot of entrepreneurs, if it's just Absolutely. you and you're doing the whole mm-hmm. business, that's where you realize you might have been in that scenario. You might have jumped into the doing of the thing versus in the building of a mm-hmm. business that does that thing. 
and that's where mm-hmm. one of those skill sets is is properly knowing how to hire and train people and that's that's somewhere we mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is that because yeah. I started keeping like an objective three key metrics I have a weekly three key metrics with my team. We meet every role. What are three metrics that define success? World class in this position. If it's an intangible, it's like, were you proactive this week? One out of ten, you know? And do that. And one thing that shocked me was I found that when I was in good moods, I loved my team, even if things weren't going well. And when I was in bad moods, I wanted to fire them all, even if things were going great. <laughs> <clears throat> and I realized how subjective, like, my, emo- you know, what was going on in my life was with how... And maybe that's an overstatement, but things like they might make a small mistake and I just wouldn't care about it if things were going well. But I might make a big deal out of it if things were, you know, and you have to understand that they're doing their, and that's where in a company you start realizing like if they're contributing, this is where you get into unions and stuff. If they're contributing, doing their job to the best of their ability and they're doing everything asked of them, you know, and there's a cash flow shortage in the business, that's not necessarily their fault. Right. So you can't mm-hmm. come to them mm-hmm. like a lot of solopreneurs might with the stress and intensity, right, that you might because, you know, you might have to you take on some credit card debt this month to pay, make payroll. Do you know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. are things just to give as an example, a listener, when you talk about that, that's what you're talking about, that, you know, working on your business, not in it. And there's a big difference between the doing of the thing and the working on the business of the thing. So. It nope. is, and those people who are working day in and day out, you know, on the on the operations of your business, like you say, you know, you, you have to take care of them. You know, you have to show them, you know, that, that you care about them and that you yes. appreciate, you know, what it is that they're doing. As you mentioned, if, if things are, you know, not smooth sailing, you can't take your frustrations out on, on the people who are working tirelessly to, to keep your business afloat. Yep. And, you know, just take the time and energy to, to recognize what they're doing and, and thank them, you know, is, is definitely important. People need to feel appreciated, you know, and if they just feel like when things are, are not going well, that you take it out on them, you know, when it's not a direct result of what their work is, is producing, yep. you know, it's, it's not fair and you're not going to have people who are going to stick with you. You know, yeah. my employees that are with me today, no one's been with me less than four years, you That's know, so amazing. you have to foster that, that loyalty and you have to be just as loyal to them as they are to you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know when to let people go, but you also need to make, like you said, this why it's called human resource. HR, human, because mm-hmm, re- mm-hmm. they're a resource. They're, it's that's how we survived. Mm-hmm. As we work together as a team, that's a resource. It's it's this weird thing where two plus two equals twelve somehow, you know. And that's what happens right. when you bring a team of people together. That's one of the, I asked Absolutely. at the beginning of this call. It's your morning, my night, and I ask you three things you were grateful for. Was something that we do every morning in this household. And one of the things that we often do is we're grateful that we have a team. We're grateful that we have a team because man, if we didn't have a team, we would be having to work so much harder today. Then we're going to have to, but instead we have a nice day, a nice schedule. We can, you know, you know, like you, it's this bi- we're we're busy, but if we drop the ball, you know, it's fine. There'll still be food on the table. Like it's it's just it's a really, it's a really good advice that you gave. So, what were some of the other big challenges that you felt you had to face or that you had to overcome? Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, finding uh, ways to make up or support where you're, where you're weak. Or one of my, my biggest struggles in the business was financial. You know, I, mm. I know we can take care of people. We're really good at that. You know, I know I have the, the people, the right people in the right places, but 
you know, focusing on the, the financial health of the company. And, you know, yes, you may have money coming in every month and your bank account might not be going negative, but are you growing? Is the cash flow there? You know, are you going to be able to, yeah, I've, I've been moving and i kicking up, I think, a lot of dust and cat hair in my house. It's, <laughs> it's uh, making me a, a little hoarse, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, I think just that that was one of the hardest parts for me, um, being a social worker and, you know, case manager, not not by any means a CFO, kind of figuring out how to evaluate those things and, and not just look at this month's finances, but, you know, look look six months down the road was, was definitely a challenge for me. So I sought out a, a coach for that. You know, there's a, a business coach that I worked with that, that focused, focused primarily on the the you know, basically an outsourced CFO uh, is what she is. And, you know, just had her coach me, had her, her show me what I needed to do, how to do it, what to look for, you know, what the red flags are, um, and helped me get, get the business, you know, really financially tight and, and healthy, you know, what was a big turning point for me. I mean, that, that was really that, that year, I guess that's what my third year in business was a really big turning point when I really had a, finally had a, a grasp on, you know, the financial health of our, of our company was key. Um, and I think that's something a lot of small business entrepreneurs struggle with is, you know, knowing that, having their, their finger on the pulse of that and, and keeping a tight rein on it. I think most of us just, you know, at, le- at least early on, it's, you know, money in, money out. Is, the bank, is, is there money there in the bank account today? Haven't bounced any checks. Okay, I'm good, you know, but um, there's definitely a lot more to it than that. And, you know, if you want to really know if your business is on the right track, you know, you have to be looking at these things, you know, monthly, <laughs> weekly, even daily. So as long as I got chunks of money coming in and they're bigger than the chunks of money going out, everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and sometimes they're not. And so like you mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, it's payroll time. So, you know, pull on the line of credit, pay, pay the checks and then, yeah. you know, I can pay it back next week. Okay, I'm good. You know, so th- there's just there's just so much more to it than that. And without a financial background or an MBA, you know, that was just something that I had to had to find someone who was better than me at that to teach me what, what it is I need to do and look for. And and it definitely worked. I mean, it definitely made a, a huge business uh, mm. turning point for me to to have a finger on that pulse. You know, which so. is awesome. I mean, that's fantastic. We we don't really know what we don't know. I mean, there's always a thing where you hear mm-hmm. people say ignorance is bliss, and that's so not true. Ignorance is pain and suffering and, you know, irreversible problems. And because, like, uh, as a perfect – I had an example. It just escaped me. But there's things that you're unaware of that, like, oh, like you were, when we're talking about chunks of money coming in, chunks of money coming out – there's nuances of things that you might not be well versed in because that's not your skill set. Mm-hmm. Things like net 30, mm-hmm. like now maybe when you have like before you've been paying everything on time, but now you might have your, your financial CFO might find ways for flexibility where, Hey, we're in a cash flow squeeze, but they know how, Oh, well we actually have net 30 on that, which means we have 30 days to pay them from the due date where you've been treating it like that right. due date was a deadline or there's just all sorts mm-hmm. of things that you can do where there's like factoring where you sell off your debts. You have a customer that hasn't paid anything well, we've got this debt and they haven't paid us. Oh, well, your CFO might know a factoring company. You can sell that debt to them, get the cash you need. There's all these little nuanced things that you don't mm-hmm. even know are possible. And that's what makes it, why we said before, isolation is, is dangerous. It's really good and beneficial yeah. to ask for help. Typically, the owner is the bottleneck to the businesses because they're not, you know, like, because they're, they're, 
they don't want to lose control of their baby. And by, it's like this weird, mm-hmm. it's like a yin-yang kind of thing. By trying to control everything, they have no control on everything that they would like to. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, and a, yeah. There's also, you know, it doesn't have to, I, I think a lot of people are afraid of change, you know, mm. and they're afraid of making making adjustments in their business. They, okay, we're doing this and we've been doing it this way and this works for us and you know, I know my first three years of business, I, I never raised my rates ever. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I put the rates in place kind of based on, on what I saw in the market and I just left them there. And then, you know, what I had to realize was, you know, cost of business was going up and mm-hmm. people you were hiring were, were demanding more, more money to do the work. And so just a small adjustment I think that year that, that I, you know, worked with that coach, we increased rates, uh, like three to 5%, you know, um, and, and our clients expected it, which was what shocked me. You know, Mm. I, when I went with the letter to my clients, you know, we've got to make some, some rate adjustments. I mean, I didn't get a single pushback, you know, because they, they're expecting an increase yearly and I hadn't done one in three years, you know, um, and not only that, but, but also the, the caregivers that, that work for my company, you know, we're giving them raises, you know, based on their performance, and then we're not passing that, yep. that cost on to the client. Well, they're expecting to give their client, you know, that they see that as, as their, you know, employee in a way. So they're expecting to, to give them raises, and they're grateful for what they do, so they mm. want to, uh, to pay them more. So, you know, here I was thinking this is a huge, big, scary thing. Like, I can't raise my rates. Everybody's going to going to leave me and go to my competitor, you know, and, and not at all. I quite the opposite, in fact. So, you know, just minor adjustments that you can make, you know, that tweak, you know, to our rate increase made a huge difference in our, you know, our profitability and, and, you know, gave us a a lot more ability to manage the, the finances. So it's not always something big that you have to do. It can be small adjustments that you make um, that you may not have even realized were something that you could or should be doing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That it, it, It's not a big, scary monster. It, it's something actually quite manageable. So Yeah, I um, love that. That's a great tip, too. Anybody who's listening to this, if you have something like you're a doctor or you've, you're a counselor or you have something with a calendar and your calendar is too full, you could double your rates and you would have to lose 51% of your customers before it would have been a bad financial decision. And typically, you may not want to double your prices, but typically when you do lose people, you lose the people that tend to be a little bit more problematic. And it's not because poor people are bad or wrong. It's not at all. It's just just the way there's always an 80-20. And for whatever reason, you know, when you up your prices, there's the people that were your customers that were just kind of hanging on, but because they were just barely hanging mm-hmm. on, you know, like they're, they're nitpicky about everything and everything's super. And then when you raise the mm-hmm. prices, you just, you, now they have to cancel. Maybe they're upset because they have to leave. But now the people that are left, they're, you know, they're, it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like that you have to fight harder to sell someone a $10 item than you do have to sell a $10,000 item because you're talking to a yes. different person. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird I don't, I, I don't, I don't, don't shoot the messenger. I don't know why, but it just, it just is. It just, it just is. Well, it's because they see the value, you know, they, they have an understanding of, of the value and, you know, you can't convince someone of value, you know, they, they mm. have to be able to recognize it themselves. And, and I, that happens a lot in, in the home care industry, actually, because when people are shopping around for senior care based on price, 
you know, I, you know, I realized that, like you said, in some circumstances, you know, they, they have a fixed budget and there is only so much they can do. And unfortunately in our country, you know, long-term care is, is not really an affordable thing. And that, that's neither here nor there. It's a, a topic for another discussion. Right. But, you know, when someone is shopping for a, a service like elder care based solely on price, you know, the perspective is completely different. Yeah. You know, if you're you're looking for someone to, to care for your frail elderly grandmother, you know, price probably shouldn't be, uh, you know, the the main factor. You know, you you want to know you can trust that person. You want to know they've been background checked. You want to know that you have the right insurance. You want to know that there's backup in place if you need it. And there's so many important things when you're you're talking about care of your loved one. Um, you know that you you want a higher quality. You want something that you can you know trust mm-hmm. and and be confident in so so you're right i mean that definitely i think that rings true probably in, in all industries but in mine maybe even more so because that you know that get what you get what you pay for mm-hmm. you know mentality is is very very important it's very frustrating if you're working with a company that's supposed to be providing care whether it's elder care or child care you know if, if you and i've experienced this myself with my kids you know if you're relying on someone to provide care so that you can work and do what you need to do and then they're not reliable i mean that's a huge mm-hmm. inconvenience you know in your life and so you definitely want to think about more than than just price when you're you're shopping around for that kind of thing and so i, I think you're right you know sometimes raising the price or, or having a, a price point that might be a, a little bit higher end of what what the market dictates can help weed out, you know, those who are, are not looking for, for all of those things, but really just, you know, just shopping around based on price only. And it can make a big difference in the type of clientele that you end oh, up yeah. working with. Hands, hands down. And, and, you know, the problem with price, I mean, if you can do it at a lower price, it can be a really good competitive advantage, right? If you can give the mm-hmm. same value mm-hmm. or greater for the same price or less, uh, that can be a competitive mm-hmm. advantage, but it's not the only means to do business. <clears throat> there will always be right. people that want it. Like the, there'll always be people that want to pay more or less money. It's just, <clears throat> you need to take something like the right. Super Bowl. There's the people that want to steal it and stream it online at home. There's the people that want to mm-hmm. use pay-per-view. There's the people that want to group buy it by going to a pub and paying five bucks to get into the pub, right? Then there's the people that mm-hmm. want to go to the event and they want to sit on a hill outside the stadium and watch it with binoculars, right? And then there's the people that mm-hmm. want to be inside mm-hmm. sitting in the nosebleeds. There's a guy that wants to have his feet on the grass. And then there's the people that want their booth. And these are all different price points, but it's the exact same product. Do you know what? Like, it's the exact mm-hmm. same product. Mm-hmm. But people, there's a whole slew of people that want to pay different price ranges. So if you're just charging the least amount you can because you're, that's the only thing that you think you have to offer, then that's, that's a tough place because then you have no margin. There's no profit to try to over-deliver, to invest in research and development, to be prepared for, right, for things in the future. So I don't know why, but it just – I remember when I had my martial arts school. I went from charging $75 a month to 150 a month because, like you, I had a, a mentor tell me to do that. And I, it didn't change my sign-up rate at all. I didn't change my sign-up rate at all. I offered a discount, so it would be more like 130 if people signed up because uh, they came in for – they get like a free 30-day trial, but if they signed up like the first kind of week thing, they get for 130 mm-hmm. instead of 150. 
an even bigger discount if they paid for the year in full and one out of five people would pay me for a whole year in full cash like there to swipe their card mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. which was a shock to me because that was a lot of money to me at the time and that's again you can't right. you can't decide for other people you really just need to give them a plate of options and see what they want um, but when I have people right. come in and they would look at that 150 or 130 and they'd be like well can I, can I pay every week can I pay that not only did I find I had to make exceptions for them that way, but they would show up to classes late and they wouldn't be prepared for stuff. And it was, it was like the concept of how you do mm-hmm. something is how mm-hmm. you do everything. And I don't know, right. but it just permeated, it permeated. It just, it was, it was just an interesting phenomenon for me. And you always feel for those people, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's not the way, it's not the way to do it. So where do you think the future of your industry is headed? What does this look like, your industry look like in five years? Well, it's actually changed quite a bit very quickly, you know, since I've, I've gotten into it. And one of the big things that's happening in my industry right now is consolidation because, you know, there's a, a, a big need for what we refer to as the continuum of care. So, you know, one person, one, one elderly person you know, has multiple needs, you know, they need home mm-hmm. care, they need therapy, they need a physician, they need medication management, they need, you know, hospice care. And so it, it's being able to meet all of their needs in one place, or at least seamlessly, you know, transitioning from one to the other is really key right now in our in our industry. So there's a lot of consolidation, there's a lot of, you know, larger players getting getting into the industry and and trying to to solve that problem of the there's a lot of you know the disjointedness amongst the the different levels of care and the different services that are needed to really support someone who's aging so you know that shift has been happening happening very rapidly here in the last couple of years of of um you know the the hospital systems and rehab centers and you know all the the places where these people are going for help are then turning around to make these referrals out. And, you know, they want a seamless transition. You know, they want something that, you know, they can turn that, that patient over and all those things are going to be managed and, and, um, and, and handled in, in one place. So, so we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of um, interest from insurance companies and hospital systems and so forth in the private duty home care market because it's one part of the continuum that has been sort of overlooked. You know, the healthcare system focuses on dealing with acute needs, you know, managing the, the symptoms and the, the illness that the person has at that moment and getting them better and getting them out the door. But there's a huge need for supportive services for things that will, you know, help that person basically manage their day-to-day needs and keep them as independent as possible so that they're not relying on you know the the insurance and the hospitals as much so mm. so there's a a big shift in the industry for supporting people in their homes for helping them maintain their independence for keeping them healthy being proactive about those things and private duty home care is a big part of that because we were there on a day-to-day basis monitoring that person's health and wellness and, and the needs that they have and we're a constant that that sees that person on a regular basis and can can help coordinate all of those other pieces. So, you know, while our industry right now is largely uh, not reimbursed by insurance, I think that that's going to change. I think that it needs to change. Hmm. Uh, we have 10,000 
10,000 people a day turning 65, and so it's, it's going to be a huge burden hmm. on our country. Absolutely. So, so I think, you know, that there's, there's definitely um, a lot of eyes on our industry. There's some big changes coming down the pike. And so I think those of us in this business are trying to position ourselves to be a part of that solution, you know, and I don't think, you know, small companies, mom and pop, you know, shops are going to be around very long. I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a lot of consolidation. There's going to be a lot of, um, you know, strategic partnerships and alliances that are going to happen at a higher level. And so, um, so that's why we, at my company, actually, we, we just um, were acquired. <laughs> Last oh, Monday, I signed on the dotted line. Thank you. With, we were purchased by a company called Care Advantage, which is the largest privately held uh, private duty home care company in the mid-Atlantic. And we're one of three acquisitions they've had in the Northern Virginia, D.C. market in the last 18 months. And so uh, our goal, Care Advantage's goal, is to, you know, to, to create exactly that, a, a support for these clients, you know, throughout the whole life process so that we can, can really manage them. Um, in the homesteading and and help take some of that burden off of you know the the system. So awesome! So, that's yeah, exciting. So that's, that's super exciting. Congratulations! It's, Yay! It's it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Thank you so much. We're we're very um, we're very pleased to be a part of it because one of the one of my you know main concerns was that we didn't lose our um, you know our personal touch and and mm. the focus on the the individual. Um, that's so important to us at Allegiance, and fortunately, you know, Care Advantage has that that same um, overarching, you know, um, mentality, and so we're it, it's a perfect fit. It really it really works out very well for us. So that's awesome. we're excited for the future, and and it's a very bright future for our clients and our employees alike. And um, we're going to be able to help so many more people, and that's that's the goal. That's so. fantastic. Now, were there any intricacies to the to that, to being acquired, like, do you have any recommendations? If you had any, if anyone listening to this is going through something similar, was there, is there any advice you would give, or, or you know what I mean, like in the process of this? Yeah, I, the biggest piece of advice, personally, I think, is to make sure that the goals and the, you know, the core values are in alignment. You know, you really want to, if your if your goal is is to be acquired. You know, and you want to keep, you know, obviously I'm going to continue working in, in the business and, and working um, with Care Advantage. If you um, are looking to be acquired and continue to work in the, in the business, you know, you really want to make sure that it's with a company that aligns with yours, that has the same core values, that has the same goals, the same, like I said, the focus on the, the end user, the, the client. Um, that's very important because you don't want to hand um, – uh, like you said, your baby, your business mm-hmm. is your baby, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to hand your baby over to, to someone who is not in alignment with you. And so for me, that was the most important thing. I mean, we had uh, probably a half a dozen different, you know, inquiries um, for with the industry going the way that it is with, with you know, consolidation all over the place. We had a lot of, we were approached by a lot of different companies and, and you know, this one was the right fit for us. And I think that's the most important thing is just to make sure that you're really in alignment with that company and that you're going to be just as comfortable working with and selling the services that you're doing post-acquisition as you were before the acquisition. So 
think that right there is is key um, to making sure you can be confident. Yeah. That's so awesome. Pam, you've been so uh, kind and generous and fun to talk to on this interview you've given. I feel like just a really great kind of step-by-step like tutorial. I mean, it's some of it was high level, but we also got into specifics. I think people here listening may want to go back and listen to this a couple times again. Um, because you talk, like I said, hiring out your weaknesses. You mentioned getting referral sources up and running. I think that's something a lot of businesses, we didn't go into that yet, but I think that's something that a lot of businesses don't focus on, <clears throat> which just by mm-hmm. having those mm-hmm. in place can be really powerful as well. Like there's just a lot of gold in this call. So people may want, if they didn't take notes, listen to this again and definitely take some notes. Is there anything I didn't ask you, though, that you think I should have asked you? Well, I think I think we covered a, a quite a few topics that uh, I think are very important for entrepreneurs. That I guess one one final you know takeaway is you know you just you have to do everything with integrity. You have to focus and, and keep you know keep that in mind at all times. Reputation is everything, so don't take on tasks that you you can't fulfill. You know, be 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 honest with people if if you aren't you know in the weeds or over your head. You know, and and definitely keep the focus on on your integrity. Don't compromise that because, you know, that really is the, the most important thing. You know, mm. you you have to build a reputation. You're branding yourself and your company, and so you know that that to me has to be it has to always be at the forefront of of really mm. every interaction in your business. Mm. So. I love that. I love that. I feel like that's what branding actually is. Like branding isn't really a logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be logos and it can be colors and how the color makes you feel. But my experience in helping companies do anywhere from just a few hundred thousand to a couple of million is that marketing is really about the offers you're making. Like almost think of it like coupon mm-hmm. marketing or like what's the offer? That's what you're marketing. Mm-hmm. But then the branding mm-hmm. is your reputation with them. When they see you again and again and again, right. you show up at this party and that party and they see you here and they hear about your their, your friend that, you know, did some business with you. That's like you said, like dealing with integrity. That's your brand. That's what you're known for. That's what people, you know, mm-hmm. the brand is what kind of evolves over time as people interact with you. Right. But I love that. I think that's really, really important. You are the brand. I yeah. mean, that's the thing that entrepreneurs have to remember is they, they're, they, they, referral sources and clients work with you because of you and so that you know you are the brand when you're out there you know putting your your first putting your face in front of them and and everything you say and do they're watching and you know you you have to remember that you are your company and they're doing business with you because of you Mm, i love it i love it pam if people want to reach out and they want to get in touch with you maybe they want to have talk to you about helping them find a provider what are some of the best ways for them to reach out yeah, um, so our website is a good good place to find you know our contact information. You can actually contact us through um, the the form there. You can read our blog, you know all those things. So it's allegianceva.com, like Pledge of Allegiance, and um, and they can also reach me directly at pam at allegianceva.com. Perfect, Th- Pam. Thank you so much again for coming and joining us here. It's been such an honor and a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you and finding out what your how things are going. You know, six months, a year from now, after you've been acquired and all that. That's that's super exciting. Thank you so much for coming. I know you have a family. Thank I know you. we have delays. You've just been fantastic. Thank you so much. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First. What three lessons did you just learn? 
what three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.